I'm saying we haven't. Coming okay. to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth. The show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to 50. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, David Allen. <laughs> this is the David Allen Show. Yes, it is. Again, once again. <laughs> um, so what episode is this? Uh, it's the the the, the number 50th, 50-somethingeth. Um, l- 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 what? L- let's look. What? Oh, you don't know? I don't know right offhand. It's horrible. Horrible. Um, so for those of you that don't know, which you, clearly <laughs> for everyone else listening, <clears throat> we had a slight mishap. With the last 12, 12 minutes of show. So so you're saying that we've done this part before. We've been here before. So it's like deja vu, but rather than it, yep. Yep. us thinking it was before and it mm-hmm. actually wasn't, it is. Yeah. Yep. Or something. So uh, David is in studio again. Hey, that's me. I cannot believe it. <clears throat> I, I, it blows my mind. This episode 58. 58. 58. That's not true. Wow. How is that possible? Well, I don't know. Yeah, 58. But Crazy. 58 awesome <laughs> episodes. My word. Gets better every time. Yeah, and so this one's going to be dynamite because it's been a month and a half oh, since, really? we've, since, since we've um, spoken. Well, wow. Close. Wow. <coughs> uh, there is a bunch in the news. And we're not going to go back through the music that we just went through because it was mostly crap. Mm-hmm. I've decided that um, mm-hmm. the top music in our society, mm-hmm. crap. Yeah. Not worth it. Not worth it. However. However what? However. You got something to say. You have an opinion. Well, we've talked extensively. We're going to get right into it because we're short on time tonight. We... Uh, have talked extensively about this this thing that has arisen in our pop culture of you being able to decide um, what you the gender you decide to, to be. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. just make that. You can make decide. Mm-hmm. Well, the author, I believe, would be the author of the Message Translation Bible. Mm-hmm. You, the Reverend, as they say, the Reverend Eugene, is it Peterson? Peterson. Peterson. Uh, was interviewed. He's 84. <clears throat> was interviewed, oh, recently. Mm-hmm. And said, uh, let's see. I'm sorry, I got to go find the, I have it saved, but I got to go find it. It's from that. From that person, uh, this is fun. We'll cut this air stuff out. <coughs> All right. <coughs> a few days ago, uh, I saw run across my news feed in the face bag, which I'm really close to shutting down the personal side of things because it's just nothing but a time waster. Uh, thank you, Reverend Peterson, for so many, many things. Uh, to those who may now be inclined to add him to the long list of folks who are no longer worthy, 
before you do that, please go back and read along obedience in the same and in the same direction one more time. Or maybe for the first time, remember why this is a man who continues to be worthy of your respect and your ear. So to, to me, it's an intriguing a little bit to start here from the perspective of this specific poster, because I do appreciate this person's, um, I think, honesty for both sides of it, uh-huh. um, based on what it comes out in another couple of days in this timeline. Uh, but from, from the beginning here, uh, the, uh, it, this uh, poster implores the reader to don't throw this guy out with the bathwater is the theory. Okay. And to remember why this is a man who continues to be worthy of your respect and your ear. Then there's a little episode, or I'm sorry, a, um, uh, an excerpt from an article, and it's Eugene. Okay. I, it's a quote, I wouldn't have said this 20 years ago, but now I know a lot of people who are gay and lesbian, and they seem to have as good a spiritual life as I do. I think that kind of debate about lesbians and gays might be over. People who disapprove of it, they'll probably just go to another church. So we're in a transition, and I think it's a transition for the best, for the good. I don't think it's something that you can parade, but it's not right or wrong. It's not a right or wrong thing as far as I'm concerned. And then the uh, interviewers, uh, a follow-up. If you were pastoring today and a gay couple in your church who were Christians of good faith asked you to perform their same-sex wedding ceremony, is that something you would do? And he answers, yes. Well, that apparently was enough for the poster that we are uh, delving into this thought process. Sure. Um, to stand up and cheer. Okay. And then uh, it, it was linked to an article from religionnews.com. That the headline is Eugene Peterson on changing his mind about same-sex issues and marriage. Well, then, that was, uh, today is the 15th, so three days ago, that that original post happened. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the 13th, two, he changed day, his two mind. days ago. His book sales the, dried up. The and post, the poster uh, posted again. Listen. I've been reading Eugene Peterson for a very long time. So have many of you. And the, the whole point of me going through this is I want to kind of explore some of the, the, the logic, perhaps, of Eugene and people of his ilk, shall we say. Okay. And, you know, when they get asked these and they, you know, they're making these definitive statements. Um, maybe the question is wrong. To okay. begin with, to start from. And, and so that, that's kind of where we're going here. I mean, the whole point is not to rip apart someone. That's not the idea. The idea is to really get to the point of what should the question be in this kind of an issue. Okay. So, have uh, let's see. Uh, this person's been reading uh, Eugene for a very long time, and so have many of you. Um, so many of the people who are feverishly dashing off their opinions about him, many of those who identify as orthodox are expressing their disappointment that he would abandon the authority of scripture. Many of those who identify as LGBTQ and allies are torn whether to praise the man for his recent affirming remarks or to press him for more. Guess what, as happens most times, is lost here in the billowing dust. Queer folks are reduced to a theological issue, a doctrinal position, a policy paper 
in an ongoing debate. It would be good, I think, if we could step back from this and for just half a minute, first, we could give Peterson the benefit of the doubt if we trusted his work last week because we know of his deep love for and faithfulness to Scripture, then we could extend that trust to what we now know. Is it possible at all that he brought the same faithfulness and thoughtfulness and humility to this place? No. We could let the studied response of a faithful scholar and teacher inform our own study rather than dismissing it out of hand? Obviously, he wasn't speaking as a scholar when he made the statement. Second, we could consider that this is, in the end, not about Peterson and Lifeway and one side or another, but about the people at the core of the question. And this is really the, the crux of what I want to get to. Mm-hmm. The people at the core of the question. LGBTQ folks are present in our conversations. Folks are sitting in the room. We could speak in ways that honor, not dehumanize, even if a person happens to disagree with Patterson's statements. If we insist on speaking to this... We could hold ourselves to the very highest standard of dialogue. We could imagine that our best friend or our child or our sibling is listening to us talk about them. And third, maybe something we could do every single day on any number of ideas, we could make space to ask ourselves if it's possible, even a teeny tiny bit, that we ourselves are the ones who have abandoned the authority of Scripture in some way who are blown to and fro by the winds, who are given to love what tickles the ears. We could consider that truth. What? Does not always look the way we think it does. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. The people who have always believed, have always believed that homosexuality is false. All of the church fathers from beginning, scripture itself says one thing, being blown, tossed to and fro like a wave, does not apply to them. It applies to Eugene Peterson, not to people who say that there is, uh, that homosexuality is not um, encouraged or thought of as a good thing in the Bible. See, here's the problem I have with with these discussions. Like, I personally, I... I wouldn't have any problem talking with people if both sides could um, just go to the scripture, look at what the church has always believed, look what Jesus said, look what Paul says, look what it says in the Old Testament, look what a reasonable reasonable person, what conclusion a reasonable person would come to in the same way. When you, when you uh, go to court and you have a jury, they have to decide if you're guilty, that you're guilty um, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, the preponderance of evidence, not the preponderance of evidence, that's civil, but for criminal, beyond a reasonable doubt. So if you're going to look at Scripture and you're going to talk about Scripture, you have to go, what would a reasonable person at that time, at that culture, believe about what is being said here? That's not what's going on. They're doing the same thing that they do with a climate change debate. 
It's all about trying to get as num as many people and say so majority. Oh, it's a democracy. Yeah, exactly. I, what I found in in this little piece, and there's more um, that we'll go to, but what I found interesting was the third point. Maybe to go back to it, maybe something we could do every single day on any number of ideas. We could make space to ask ourselves if it's possible, even a little bit, that we are the ones who have abandoned the authority of Scripture in some way. My thought is this: th- that that line right there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. But the reality is. It needs to be read back to the person that's mm-hmm. upset yeah. that Eugene, or that's happy that Eugene made this change. Yes, that's right. You that are writing this, yeah. is it possible that you have abandoned Scripture? Yeah, and and who are blown to and fro by the winds, mm-hmm. who are given to love what tickles the ear. That's yeah. where we're at in our society. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it feels good to me now because it's cool. It's mm-hmm. the thing that's neat. Well, I don't think that Jesus, his death wasn't cool wasn't the thing to do. I mean, he, he went against the church. The other thing is, they they use it as evidence, these cool and neat gay couples that are wonderful people. I am absolutely certain that you could find a Satanist. That's a wonderful person. That's a wonderful person that would never harm anybody. And he's a Satanist, not so that he can harm people. He might not even believe in Satan, but he believes in... Uh, do whatever thou wilt. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to do anything bad. He wants to do good things, but he's not going to listen to a God. And so if, if you could find a Satanist or a witch or a Wiccan or a pagan or a voodoo doctor, you know, voodoo priest, who's a wonderful person to live next to, does that mean that everything that they believe in all of their behavior should be acceptable because you can find somebody that's a decent person according to you? Now, that's a rhetorical question. It's obviously not. Obviously, that's not true. But that's that's the argument. Nine hours later, on the same day, this next post came along. <laughs> now, when, when I read the third point of that last piece, I thought, oh, interesting. That, that's cool. That, that would be a re- real reality check of yourself. Mm-hmm. Maybe we are just too flying about by the wind i do have to say about eugene peterson mm-hmm. he's got to be in great shape because of how quickly he can backpedal oh man <laughs> yeah yeah anyways oh, man. so not nine hours after that post 84 year old man backpedaling that fast <laughs> yeah um this uh original poster i really wasn't going to comment on the eugene peterson matter again but as they say life comes at you fast And since I commented on this before, I want to respond to this afternoon's development. If you're not following this or don't want to see another comment about it, please feel free to move on. Well, I, of course, didn't. And the other thing, too. Because I'm intrigued. Why don't you use the same logic that you used the day before that maybe this biblical scholar, maybe you should listen to him, you know? Let me start with this. Reverend Peterson takes up a lot of room on my bookshelf, and that hasn't changed. What I said to those disturbed by the interview yesterday applies to me today. I am sad about the retraction, but I continue to hold him in the highest regard and am deeply grateful for the influence of his teaching on my life. Nothing in that respect changes. I think that's how it should be. And I really appreciate that that is the position that this person is taking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't have a public conversation about what motivated his retraction today. 
I might have a private conversation or two about it simply as a means to understand what has happened. Again, it doesn't change anything. Uh, and then there's some links to, uh, if you're interested in exploring what he said for the retraction, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I want to talk about and really what want us to understand. You and I and Peterson and Mickey Mouse are free to do the work of sorting out what we believe Scripture does and does not say. We should and will come to some conclusions about whether or not we will be affirming of LGBTQ identities, and they may not all be the same. I can live with this. What I don't want to live with is what I was getting at earlier today, is that, again, the actual people at the core of the question are collateral damage. Peterson says that, a quote, a pastor does a disservice to the people in his care when he indulges in treating them as abstractions, end quote. This is true, and yet, that's what his, this conversation has done. He regrets the confusion and bombast, as should we all, but the thing I would dearly love to hear from folks is regret for the pain experienced among LGBTQ siblings of faith that inevitably comes with these conversations, with these scenarios where the proverbial Lucy once again sets up the football for the kick, only to pull it away at the last minute. Peanuts reference. What? Uh, whoa. So that would make sense if he was some kind of authority or that he's pulling it like uh, dangling out there some kind of uh -huh. definitive statement yeah. and then taking it away. He's an 84-year-old man who maybe some people like who wrote a translation of the bible that lots no, of people hate he, yeah i mean it's not it's not even a translation it yeah, is it's a paraphrase a, yeah it's a paraphrase mm -hmm. so when you paraphrase like that all of your theological uh distinctives Hoots come spot. out yeah, oh, oh yeah 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 affirm don't affirm decide what you will but don't forget that behind the debate the accusations the retractions are people not abstractions, people with families, people who are alone, people with jobs, people who can't get jobs, people without housing, are real-life opinions on real-life people, have real-life consequences. Could we for a day treat people like people and not someone's football to give and take away? I appreciate some of that. That's true. Yeah, no, no, I mm -hmm. I would agree. But but again, here here's the... the, the um, Homosexuality, yes, it is a person, but it's more than just a person. What is going on? Why Why would the Bible be against homosexuality? Why would God be against homosexuality? So it's more than a person. It, it, can't, it can't just be about a person. That's not the end all. Well, and I, I, I sent this information to our peanut gallery in, mm -hmm. in the absence of a, of a podcast mm -hmm. and got this in response. In my opinion, it is irrelevant what I or anyone else thinks if the question is, quote, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? But that's not usually the question. It's usually what do I think about homosexuality? Another way to do this is do you agree with God about homosexuality? You will notice that rarely that this is rarely the question asked about heterosexual sins such as adultery or fornication. Why is that? Nobody says, "What do you think about homosexual? What do you think about fornication? What do you think about obvious. adultery?" 
Well, it's obvious in Scripture. What do you think about adultery? It's sinful. You think that... But there's people involved. Yeah, exactly. 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 And and nobody... Uh, when it comes to an adultery, there's always a victim. Mm-hmm. There's always a victim other than God. But the th- thing that people will say is that uh, there's not always a victim with uh, homosexuality. Well, the fornication, there's not always a victim. Well, that's a good point, too. That's a good point, right? too. Yeah. So you're living outside of marriage. Yeah. The, in, in my mind, that that is a very similar situation. Yeah, I'd agree. The difference yep. is there's no remedy for the homosexual sin other than stopping. The remedy for a fornication is you commit and you get inside the bounds of marriage that God created. Mm-hmm. To me, th- th- that that is the remedy for that sin. So it's one thing when you have couples that come into church, they get saved, and they are living to get living in sin together, mm-hmm. and pastors counsel them and they bring them through this counseling and then they get them married that get that that fixes the sin problem if you have a homosexual couple and they come and they want to get married getting married doesn't fix the sin problem but look at it but um stealing you can't fix the stealing problem by doing anything other than stopping it yeah. So, so you could say, well, there's these poor people out there that don't, that will never be millionaires and Hello, never have their own Robin house. Hood. Exactly. That, that's, that, that would be the solution would be to steal from other people to give to them. Or Bernie Sanders. Or Bernie Sanders. But um, th- there's this idea, again, this is a man-centered view of everything. Mm-hmm. Another, real quick, another interesting thought from the peanut gallery was to say that this gay person is more spiritual than the straight person, so therefore homosexuality is no longer a sin. Is like this adulterer is more spiritual than that non-adulterer, so now adultery is no longer a sin. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It the, is. The question is wrong. Then he went on, not sure if the Rev felt a squeeze in his wallet or his heart and mind. I Uh, I think we know. I suppose at 84, he may say something he wouldn't write. Um, We are all like that, I think. Hmm. But I I really think that this is the... It, it gets down to the question. What is the proper question to ask? The proper question in my mind is not, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Oh, or, or maybe it is, but then let's not mm. form a, re- let's not form a doctrine off of that. Well, what do you think? Let's go back and let's figure out. And I don't have the, the knowledge by any <clears throat> means to, to make that, you know, to, to make a, a statement that would be, this is, I, I have studied and this is the Bible. Now, my understanding of it is it's clear. But don't don't you think that at the core of all of this is the autonomy and supremacy of man, that his desires and what he likes and what he, he or she doesn't like, and I'm saying he as mankind, the mankind sense, yeah. is 
is the highest Sexist. priority. So whatever you desire, you should have. You should be able to have and you should be able to do. And nobody should ever say that it is wrong. But consider in the churches, you know, your best life now, um, uh, the secret sensitive churches. Uh, I was listening to a pastor last week, and he said that the biggest revival in American history did not happen in the 1800s. You know, with the first and, or in seventeen and eighteen hundreds, with the first and second great awakening, it happened in the seventies with the Jesus People Movement, and they were calling people to live countercultural lives, mm-hmm. telling them to do the hard things if they wanted to be in a right relationship with God, and they grew exponentially. And then the eighties happened, and everything was turned on its head, and somebody started the seeker sensitive movement which was the whole focus was trying to feel good trying to entice people to come in oh to make it easy for you to go to church and what it did is it turned everything uh there was a a, a very big and profound decrease in the number of people who who claimed to be Christians and went to went to church so at one point in the 70s it was a god focused message this is what God is saying. Mm-hmm. This is what God has done for you, so you need to repent. In the 80s, it started, um, what do you think? What do you like? What um, everything is, um, I remember the four spiritual laws from Campus Crusade for Christ. God has a wonderful plan for your life. That it, you know, if you were to witness to somebody, that was the first thing that you would say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Mm. So, in this message, everything that I'm going to say after this is from the point of view, God wants you to be happy. Well, this is more of the same. Mm-hmm. This is just a continuing on in the direction that the church has been going. So then it really is all about just filling seeds. Yeah. I mean, if we get to the core of this, the the mega church movement is just about filling, getting the people stadium. to come, being successful, and being a def- success is defined as the number of people that. So, is there any effort? I mean, have we lost this whole <clears throat> idea of you become you get you get saved, you turn away from your life of sin, and you follow Christ with everything you have? That's, or, or is, that's the is way that it, old? Is that an old mentality nowadays? Well, yeah, depending upon how you define it. If you define that, that God's highest priority is your happiness, which is, I think, how it's defined. So if you're going to repent oh, and oh, turn yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. Not, yeah, not contentedness, not joy, but happiness. Happiness. Mm, how you feel. Yeah. And... It's anathema to to some people. Like I was listening to, um, there was a Christian singer named Jennifer Knapp mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s, and I really Knapp. liked her. What's that? Knapp. Knapp. <laughs> That's right, K-N-A-P-P. Anyways, loved her music or whatever, but 
she quit in like 2008 and then came out Didn't as a lesbian. Gay, yeah. Yeah. And now she's trying to get churches to accept homosexuality and, mm. and whatnot. And I thought her music, and I still listen to, to her music because her <laughs> music is wonderful. Um, but I just don't get this attitude that my life is supposed to be um, about peaches and cream. What brings me the greatest amount of satisfaction or happiness. And it's all about that. And it should be irrelevant. Mm-hmm. The fact that if you're a Christian, Jesus saved you from hell, anything that happens in this life is irrelevant. It's way better than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so if you have same-sex desires and you just could never be married to somebody, okay, guess what? In 50 years... That or 70 years, that's all going to be changed. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be different. What you do now is going to, if you're a Christian, determine your rewards in eternity, and you're going to be so thankful for how you've lived your life if you followed after Jesus. But wait a second. Are you trying to claim that these LGBTQ people were not born this way? Is, uh, that, is that what you're trying to claim? No, I guess I would... I. Uh, I think it's a moot point. doesn't matter if they were born that way because everybody was born into sin. I have desires that are twisted and it's a natural part of me. And I was born this way. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. This is Lady Gaga on the David Allen Show. Oh, okay. I was gonna. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. What song is it? Oh, yeah. Gaga was born this way. You mean like that song, liking to wear meat That clothes? song is huge. Mm-hmm. And she's preaching. Yeah. She's preaching that whole thing that it's cool, you're perfect, whichever way you feel, you were born this way. It's but, good. But she started with an axiom that nobody nobody questions, mm-hmm. and that is he made you perfect. Mm-hmm. And he didn't make us perfect. We are fallen creatures, and because we're fallen creatures... That has infected all of the way we think, the way our desires, everything. And initially, or what God's greatest desire while we're on earth is to conform us into the image of Jesus, which means to change us from what we are to something different. So if the axiom is that he made you perfect, then everything you believe after that is going to be uh, tinged with falsehood. And, you know, jumping on that with stuff we've talked about in the past, if you're born perfect, then you're bulimia. 
is great. Your anorexia, that's how you were born. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Your diabetes, perfect. Go yeah. for it. You don't need to do this stuff. Just It's good. You're born this way. Mm-hmm. You're awesome. Yeah. Good. Your uh, body transmorphia, perfect. You don't need that arm. Mm-hmm. You're born that way. Mm-hmm. You, you, if it bugs you, take it off. It's mm-hmm. good. A prominent psychiatrist and former psychiatrist-in-chief at John Hopkins Hospital, which I think is kind of a hack operation, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Paul R. McHugh claims... It's a fly-by-night yeah, clinic. A no, yeah. Claims that transgender individuals suffer from a form of mental illness and that people who endorse gender reassignment are in fact supporting a mental disorder. This story published... Uh, CNS News, I believe, uh, July. Is it July? Let me double check here. Uh, June, sorry, June 2015. So this is not new by any means. Dr. Paul McHugh, the former psychiatrist-in-chief for John Hopkins Hospital and its current Distinguished Service Professor of Psychiatry, said that transgenderism is a mental disorder that merits treatment that sex change is biologically impossible and that people who promote sexual reassignment surgery are collaborating with and promoting a mental disorder. Dr. McHugh, the author of six books and at least 125 peer-reviewed medical articles, made this, his remarks in a recent commentary in the Wall Street Journal. When, when he, was this written? Uh, this, this, this part, his story was written, his stuff was in, in 2015. What about this article? This article was just uh, about five days ago. Okay. Um, made his remarks in a recent commentary in the Wall Street Journal where he explained that transgender surgery is not the solution for people who suffer a disorder of assumption. The notions that their maleness or femaleness is different than what nature assigned to them biologically. He also reported on a new study showing that the suicide rate among transgendered people who had reassignment surgery is 20 times higher than the suicide rate among non-transgender people. Dr. McHugh further noted studies from Vanderbilt University and London's Portman Clinic of Children who had expressed transgender feelings, but for whom, over time, 70 to 80% spontaneously lost those feelings. There's a growing number of people who are endorsing this point of view, highlighting that people who feel the need to do things differently are in fact suffering from a mental condition. There are also groups of people who attack anyone who thinks that being transgender is not normal. The truth, whether liberals like it or not, is that homosexuality was considered and classified as a mental disorder according to all the medical journals until political pressure made them take it out. Yep. The same people who want it out of the journals are the same people that claim global warming is a fact, and the science on the issue is settled. While this concerns human beings and their mentalities and anatomies, making it a a much more serious and complicated issue to these people who blindly advocate for it, only politics matters, not people. The issue of promoting transgenderism is as... As a mainstream acceptable social phenomenon has been atop the liberal agenda for decades. Yeah, Dr. McHugh, the hack. Um, I have a article about a psychiatrist. Hmm. Psycho! Psycho! This is from the Washington Post. Uh-oh. 
it's this is the title <clears throat> as a psychiatrist i diagnose mental illness what are you getting oh shoot <laughs> yeah, yeah. also i help spot demonic possession <laughs> what yeah this is what he says in the late 1980s i was introduced to a self-styled satanic high priestess she called herself a witch and dressed the part with flowing dark clothes and black eyeshadow around to her temples in our men, many discussions she acknowledged worshiping satan as his queen i'm a man of science and a lover of history after studying the classics at princeton i trained in psychiatry at yale and in psychoanalysis at columbia that Background is why a Catholic priest had asked my professional opinion, which I offered pro bono, about whether this woman was suffering from a mental disorder. This was at the height of the national panic about Satanism. In a case that helped induce the hysteria, Virginia McMartin and others had recently been charged with the alleged satanic ritual abuse at a Los Angeles preschool. The charges were later dropped. So I was inclined to skepticism, but my subject's behavior exceeded what I could explain with my training. She could tell some people their secret weakness, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including my mother and her fatal case of ovarian cancer. Six people later vouched to me that during her exorcisms, they heard her speaking multiple languages, including Latin, completely unfamiliar to her outside of her trances. This was not uh, psychosis. It was what I can only describe as paranormal activity. I concluded that she was possessed. Much later, she permitted me to tell her story. The priest who had asked for my opinion of this bizarre case was the most experienced exorcist in the country at the time, an erudite and sensible man. I told him that even as a practicing Catholic, I wasn't likely to go in for a lot of hocus-pocus. Well, he replied, unless we thought you were not easily fooled, we would have hardly wanted you to assist us. So began an unlikely partnership. For the past two and a half decades and over several hundred consultations, I've helped clergy from multiple denominations and faiths to filter episodes of mental illness, which represent the overwhelming majority of cases from literally the devil's work. It's an unlikely role for an academic physician, but I don't see these two aspects of my career in conflict. The same, um, uh, just wait a second, it continues on. <clears throat> Is it possible to be a sophisticated psychiatrist and believe that evil spirits are, however seldom, assailing humans? Most of my scientific colleagues and friends say no because of their frequent contact with patients who are deluded about demons, their general skepticism of the supernatural, and their commitment to employ only standard peer-reviewed treatments that do not potentially mislead or harm vulnerable adults but careful observation of the evidence presented to me in my career has led me to believe that certain extremely and common cases can be explained no other way interesting huh Continues on, but I believe I've seen the real thing. Assaults upon individuals are classified either as demonic possessions or as a slightly more common but less intense attacks called oppressions. A possessed individual may suddenly, in a type of trance, voice statements of astonishing venom and contempt for religion while understanding and speaking various... Um, oh, my phone went bad. <laughs> Apple. They're yeah. getting you. They don't, want you to, they don't want you to read it. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. 
This is interesting. Um, okay. Like I was saying, a possessed individual may suddenly, in a type of trance, voice statements of astonishing venom in contemporary religion while understanding and speaking various foreign languages previously unknown to them. The subject may also exhibit enormous strength or even the extraordinary rare phenomenon of levitation. I have not witnessed a levitation myself, but half a dozen people I work with vow they've seen it in the course of their exorcisms. He or she might demonstrate hidden knowledge of all sorts, like how a stranger's loved ones died, what secret sins she has committed, even where people are at a given moment. These are skills that cannot be explained except by special psychic or preternatural ability. I have personally encountered these rationally inexplicable features along with other paranormal phenomena. My vantage is unusual. As a consulting doc doctor, I think I've seen more cases of possession than any other physician in the world. Most of the people I evaluate in this role suffer from more prosaic problems of a medical disorder. Anyone even faintly familiar with mental illnesses knows that individuals who think they are being attacked by malign spirits are generally experiencing nothing of the sort. Practitioners see psychotic patients all the time who claim to see or hear demons. Histrionic or highly suggested individuals such as those suffering from disassociative identity syndromes and patients with personality disorders who are prone to misinterpret destructive feelings in what exorcists sometimes called a pseudo-possession via the defense mechanism of uh, externalizing projection. But what am I supposed to, to make of patients who unexplicably start speaking perfect Latin? <laughs> I approach each situation with an initial skepticism. I technically do not make it my own diagnosis of possession, but inform the clergy that the symptoms in case have no conceivable medical cause. So what's his point here? That there's some supernatural involved? As a man of reason, I've had to rationalize his seemingly irrational. Huh. Well, we can't have that. That's not science. He says, I have been told simplistically that levitation defies the laws of gravity, and well, of course it does. We are not <laughs> dealing here with purely material right. reality, but with a spiritual realm. One cannot force these creatures to undergo lab studies or submit to scientific manipulation. They will also hardly allow themselves to be easily recorded by video equipment, as skeptics sometimes demand. Hmm. That's crazy. Yep. But we don't we won't talk about that though. We can't have that. Yeah. Because there's evidence that there's um possibly another realm at work. Yeah, this is uh Professor Gallagher. He's a board certified psychiatrist and a professor oh. of clinical psychiatry yep. hack at New York Medical College. Well he's not he's not getting any more gigs now. <laughs> Well, he wrote this. This was in the Washington Post in 2016. Wow. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. There was a guy, um, a psychiatrist named Scott Peck. Mm-hmm. I think it was Scott Peck. Anyways, he wrote a book that I read about him. But anyways, he came to the same conclusion that he actually became a Christian, um, more of the liberal persuasion, um, but he had met he had met patients that the only 
they they were so evil and malevolent that he couldn't believe that they were anything but possessed. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com on iTunes and the Google Store. House. Okay. Song called Silhouettes. Huh. Uh, that is at least two of the children of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, really? Yeah. They're, huh. uh, they're kind of an up and coming. It's kind of cool. They're, they're kind of a throwback band, and I like them. Like the sound is really yeah. kind of. Yeah. It's getting more back to rock and roll. It's kind yeah. of a little more analog feel. It just, it's. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I saw a thing on, they were on uh, uh, Conan, actually, recently. Get out of here. No, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of. Are they Christian? Yeah. They're kind of a big deal. <laughs> they better be with Steven as their dad. That'd yeah. That'd be weird otherwise. I mean, but that. I know, but he, he's, he's one of, well, 
from what I know, he's one of the most straight up, yeah, real people in the music world. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, but anyway, Colony House—they're fun. If you get a chance. Huh. Um, I just saw this run across the news feed. It actually was nine hours ago. Um, Nancy Pelosi destroyed after Paul Ryan changes the old-fashioned house dress code for women. In recent weeks, many in the liberal media have falsely accused House Speaker Paul Ryan of sexism for supposedly implementing an old-fashioned dress code for women who visit the Speaker's lobby. However, the dress code, which also requires men to wear formal clothing, has been in effect for more than a century. On Thursday, Ryan acknowledged, quote, There was an issue about the dress code. And although it makes sense for women to wear formal clothing, there's no reason they should be forbidden. They should be prevented from wearing sleeveless dresses or open-toed shoes, both of which were forbidden under the long-standing rules. We will be working with the sergeant at arms to ensure the enforcement of appropriate attire is updated. On Friday, House Democratic Party women wore sleeveless clothing to push for their right to bear arms. B-A-R-E, with many liberals again erroneously stating or suggesting Republicans were somehow to blame for the policy and ignoring Ryan's pledge to change the dress code. As numerous pundits and members of the public noted on social media, however, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi is the one deserving of criticism, despite having had the opportunity to change the rule <laughs> from 2007 to 2011. When she served as the first female Speaker of the House, Pelosi did nothing to modernize the rule. They are so hypocritical. Yeah. It's just stunning how hip- hypocritical <laughs> yeah. these people are. Any of them ask why Nancy Pelosi refused to allow them to do this while she was Speaker? No. Paul Ryan lifts the yoke. It's just tweets. Uh, Paul Ryan lifts the yoke of Nancy Pelosi's oppression. Also, voters are electing children. <laughs> I love that. Clearly, Nancy was a misogynist. And wouldn't let women wear armless outfits. Ryan is enlightened. Another reason for women to vote Republican. <laughs> Dang shame you didn't bother to do it during all those years that you were in the in you were the speaker, eh, Mrs. Pelosi? Another user wrote. The House dress code has not been officially announced. Technically. Officially. But <clears throat> that's just crazy. But they just want me. people to die. You think? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, he's he's probably throwing them a bone because if they have sleeveless dresses, they're probably more likely to get a cold and therefore die. Um, yeah, I think so. And Obamacare obviously trying to... Um, These cuts are blood money. People will die. Let's be very clear. Senate Republicans are paying for tax cuts for the wealthy with American lives. People need kidneys, it's sad but decreed, yet the senator's hoarding one more than she needs. Pocahontas. I offer this bill and I hope you'll vote aye, unless of course you just want people to die. Traffic deaths have many crying with fear, over 30,000 people are dying each year. This modest change I propose must be applied, unless of course you just want people to die. Alcohol deaths are exceeding comparisons, black people, white people, Native Americans. We need to ban alcohol, it can't be denied, unless of course you just want people to die murders are bad they have no defenders yet many are committed by repeat offenders i say lifetime in prison whatever the crime 
Unless, of course, you just want people to die. So I don't have a bill or a groan to detail. I just need a short clip from my donor email. Tim, there's blood on your hands. You want people to die. That good? Cool. Tim, dinner at five? Yeah. The car deaths I mentioned are terrible stuff. Doesn't seem one seatbelt is ever enough. You must vote for my act so that fewer will cry. <laughs> Unless, of course, you just want people to die. The carbs, the container, we cannot ignore. Whipped cream's killing more people than ever before. <laughs> this bill would be passed and be ratified if those people there didn't want people to die. Why not weigh all the costs, the effects, the results? Empathize with each other as if we were adults. Use our brains to craft arguments, not vilify. See that freedom's a you want people to die! I tried. <laughs> Crossing the street is incredibly tough. People look left and right, but rarely look up. <laughs> Fantastic. Love a good comedy. It was Remy from... Uh, on, oh, Reason. Yeah, re, re, Reason TV? Reason right? TV, yeah. 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 <clears throat> So apparently the health care bill is going to be repealed. Really? Well, top of drudge right now. This is the problem. Republicans are stinking cowards. There you go. Stinking cowards. There you go. So I say it again. They're stinking cowards. Hey, you're right. Thank you. Politico. Headline. Republicans use state... Payoffs to win votes to repeal the bill. Republicans hammered Democrats seven and a half years ago for larding Obamacare with state-specific payoffs and sweeteners to secure the last few votes for passage. Who can forget the corn husker kickback, which funneled $45 million to Nebraska to nail the support of former Senator Ben Nelson? But the revised Senate Obamacare repeal bill shows Republicans engaged in the same pattern of horse trading as they try to win 50 AIs. To advance an unpopular bill. <laughs> Leaders are likely to cook up even more deals to entice uncommitted senators. As conservative health policy expert Chris Jacobs points out at The Federalist, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell still has about, no oh crap, $200 billion that he can spend on holdouts without breaking Senate budget rules. He's using to try to pass the legislation. The Trump administration is pitching a proposal to Nevada as a way to bring Republican Governor Brian Sandoval and Senator Dean Heller on board that aims to move Medicaid expansion enrollees into the private insurance market where they could use subsidies to help pay for premiums. Have I said before that I hate government? Have I said that before? No, no, I don't. I, oh, you hate government. I hate government. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. It is actually. so full of utter waste hypocrisy and hypocrisy yeah and just i mean i i don't swear but i want to when i think about government um the only problem is that you know this way of doing things is is the worst except for all other forms of except government all of them oh okay i still hate it hate it hate it Hate it. Hate it. It makes me not want to teach my children about our system and, and to show them. But our, our system is better than oh, okay. all the okay. others. But it's gotten so corrupt, it makes me not want to teach my children about it. 
because the things I'm going to mm. teach them are how it's supposed to be. And then they're going to look at it and see that it's not that way. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. But I, I suppose that would be a way to teach, um, you know, if you teach them rightly, they, they won't walk away with this belief in the inherent goodness of man, you know. They'll have a good understanding that... Oh, okay. Yeah. There is a point for the separation of powers and all the rest of it. Because imagine... Imagine how bad it could be if we didn't have the Constitution. You know? Okay. It would be horrible. It would be far worse. But I have a problem with... We have a Constitution, but how many people... It doesn't matter. I mean, here, here's a good example. The shooting of Robert Lavoy Finnicum. Remember this? Mm-mm. January 26, 2016. That was right before we started this show. The shooting of... On a snowy Oregon highway. was one of the most... One of those instant American dramas in which every photo, every eyewitness account... And every millisecond of video became forensic evidence in a public debate over whether someone deserved to die at the hands of police. Okay. In classic fashion, two sides examined the same evidence and saw two different things. Mm -hmm. To the government, Finnicum, 55, was reaching for a loaded gun in his jacket after speeding away from a traffic stop and the shooting by Oregon State Police Troopers was justified. To thousands of anti-government activists across the country, the Arizona rancher was a folk hero who became oh, a martyr. Oh, yes, I remember now. When in their view, yep. he was ambushed, shot in the back without a gun in his hand by over-aggressive law enforcement officials who were trying to crush the armed occupation of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Which is exactly what it was. But when it came to one mysterious piece of evidence in the case, the two sides were bothered by the same question. Where did the bullet hole in the roof of Finnicum's truck come from. The government offered an answer Wednesday when a member of the yep. FBI's elite hostage rescue team was indicted on suspicion of shooting twice at Fenicum during the chaotic encounter and then lying about it to the state and federal investigators. Man, why would you do that? <laughs> no kidding. Would you, you really think you'd get away? <laughs> the, agent, Unless... the agent W. Joseph Ast- Astorita it's easy for you to say. Stone-faced and wearing a dark gray pinstripe suit entered a plea of not guilty to five counts of lying and obstruction in a two-minute arraignment before U.S. Magistrate Judge Janice M. Stewart in federal court in Portland. Asterita and the hostage rescue team, the FBI's crack counterterrorism unit, which they are a tier one. I mean, like... For real? Yeah, they're almost as good as Delta Force. They're trained... They just murder people. That's great. Well, okay. they're not trained to murder. They're they're trained uh-huh. to. Uh huh. Hold on. Wait, to... wait, 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 wait. What? Mm. <laughs> Anyways, they just made trained to murder legally. They're been, they're well, trained, well, you uh, know, uh, under protections to kill to to storm and kill the people that are holding hostages. Right, because occupying a building in the wilderness is so dangerous. Well, no, but that's a political decision. That they are told to do. Now, you could say that all they are, that a lot of them are just yes men who will just follow orders and move forward. But their training is to save lives, not by taking lives. You know. So. Sure. Which, I mean, the guy, obviously, I mean... 
was drinking the government Kool-Aid. The FBI agent? Yeah, had yeah. to have been. Well, well, okay, and then you make a dumb mistake. And then you lie about and it. And then lie about and it think to you'll multiple get away people. Good yeah. work, genius. Although... Oh, well, here's my to thought. your point. There's no way one guy, only one guy did something wrong in this case. No way. But oh. the one, one guy's the fall guy. And they're getting him on. Yeah. Uh, he lied. No, not that he murdered the guy, but he lied. But here's, here's the thing. He probably, to your point, he probably was so used to making decisions and maybe shooting people or whatever. Because they would, they would actually... Um, have people from the FBI hostage relief team uh, be attached to like Delta Force teams in Iraq and Afghanistan. Same with the DEA, and they'd go over and do stuff, and they would storm places just like Delta Force. So, okay, <coughs> I'm sure he's killed people before in Iraq or okay, a place like that. So, to your point, he must have felt confident enough that this would get swept under the rug. That he would lie. Okay, so, but there must have been enough. Um, They'd done it before. They oh, lied yeah. before. Oh, that's oh, my oh. point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's evidence that, or proof positive that that's the case. But the fact that so much of this, so much of it has been, um, in like, uh, not indicted, but basically prosecuted in the media really makes it... Uh, it makes it horrible because you have this, this, you have this, what happens when you do this is you create this, this, um, model that unless you basically bow down and give up all of your rights, give them up and don't even think about crossing a line. Don't even think about going over a boundary, um, that you might but may believe based on the constitution that is your right or 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 uh, the government the police department doesn't have the right to tell you not to you don't have that option because now what's going to happen is you're going to get shot you're going to die because that they have the option to shoot you first and then ask questions later so when you do that when you create that that fear in people you basically shut them up you 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 stifle dissent and i think that's dangerous because when you stifle dissent all you're doing is you're creating a bunch of sheep you're creating robots you're creating this this body of people that will just wander behind you oh, i'm okay well, i'm good at some point the patriot matters at some point the the i mean breaking the line matters breaking the line is something that uh you know you fight no no you're supposed to stand in a straight line and let us shoot you you're not supposed to sneak around and shoot from the woods you're supposed to let us shoot you in a straight line and when we're done shooting then it's your turn to shoot and then that's how you're supposed to do it but if you do it otherwise you're the monster you're, you're the monster <laughs> you're, you're you're out until we're going to get you because you can't break the rules you can't fight differently well i'm sorry this is why our country exists, to fight differently. It's how the English, it's how the, the Brits lost. It's how we won our freedom, by fighting different. And so that's what frustrates me the most, is this whole situation is more, it's, it's perpetuating this idea that I don't have the right to question 
yes. the cops. Yeah. And because they'll shoot me. Yeah. I also don't have the right to not pay my taxes in time because they'll shoot me. Tell what? me that's not theft. If I don't pay the taxes they say I owe, they can come shoot me. They can take a gun and they can force me out of my stuff. They can take it away. Did Did you they hear? They can shoot me. Well, we were talking How, about that theft? one business where the IRS. Yes. I mean, that's a perfect they example. They shuttered it and they sold everything <clears throat> off. Yep. Pennies on a dollar when they didn't have to. So obviously, somebody was either trying to protect themselves, cover up something, <clears throat> um, or potentially uh, jigger, uh, fiddle with, with things so that they could get a better bonus or mm-hmm. something. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think... Have you- I said I don't like government? Have I said that before? No, no. Okay, I want to go on the really? record. Really? I'd like to go on the record and say, I hate government. Now, I, I think there's a role in, for government, and that role there is, is minuscule. <clears throat> it's little. I, I, I still don't necessarily subscribe to the belief that government is the only answer for our infrastructure, for our road system. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that fully. Now, I think we've gone so far, and this is the problem. This is the problem with Finicum that got shot by the, the, the feds. This is the issue. We've gone down the road so far, it would be really difficult to get back. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. We have given rope, given rope, given rope to the government. We've allowed them. I mean, the whole, our whole entitlement situation is that. Well, it would be too painful to go back. I mean, you consider, I mean, look at globalism. 2008. Okay, so, so what we've done, we've given a nice cushy bed inside the cell. Exactly. Okay, so it's comfortable. I get three meals yep. and I get, to, I, heck, I get my television even. Yep. And if I want a degree, I can get it. Go ahead. That, no, no. 2008? I mean, that's, that's, in 2008, they should have let um, oh, the banks yeah, go under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but it would have been a worldwide depression. It would have been a horrible four or five years. Um, there would have been millions of people losing their life savings and mm-hmm. and all the rest of it, and every single one of those people wouldn't look at it like we're doing this for the greater good. Um, that this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. They'll only think about themselves, and <clears throat> consequently, I mean it. It's just like any any other empire. All empires come to an end. We're going to come to an end. It's just it's just the way it yeah, is, right? <clears throat> This is in uh, Deutschland. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's in Dutch, so the Netherlands, not oh. Germany. Uh, I believe it's in in Dutch, so uh, there are subtitles. This is a back and forth. Interesting. Um, uh, are you going to read it? You believe that taxation is a form of theft? <laughs> the guy says, yes. We use taxation to provide services to all citizens, she says. Do you see that as a legitimate use of taxation? And he says, no. You live in social housing. Yes. Made possible. Made possible, he says, because others. <laughs> he Sorry, that's very uh, a nuanced. The government took everything away from me. They took my house away so that I was compelled to use social housing. And you want to tell me I should be thankful? But they were kind enough to provide me with so provide you with social housing. It sounds like the DDR. Do your children go to school? That's the same reason that was used by the directors of the DDR. 
You've enjoyed an education provided by the East Germans, and now you want to escape. You're antisocial. That's the reasoning I hear from you. It's shocking to me that you dare to say that. I asked, and you used it. I assumed your children go to school. That's paid for through taxation. Do you think that's a legitimate use of tax funds? I don't see how that's a irrelevant purpose. But I'm happy to tell you how I see it. Yesterday we had a tax advisor here. And a professor who knew everything about income tax. And you also claim to. Who informs clients and guides them. He says, yes, of course, you have to pay taxes. Okay, I'll tell you how I see it. My vision is that every person has rights to his body and property. And everybody may do as they please as long as they don't violate those rights of others. That's a fundamental human right, the right of self-determination. The government violates that right in several ways, including compulsory military service that still hasn't been abolished, and also by imposing taxes. I earned my living by advising people who were obligated to serve compulsory military service on the subject of avoiding conscription because I saw it, a form of forced labor imposed on innocents. When that was suspended, I... Uh, I... Sorry. Go back! A form of forced labor on innocence. When that was suspended, I directed my attention toward tax avoidance. <laughs> because according to the same principles, I believe taxation is a violation of property rights. The right to own the fruits of your labor. For the first few thousand years, the state used that money to enrich the nobility and the king. After that, they began giving a part of that money away to the people. They distributed gifts to the people to legitimize taxation. Ooh, that's interesting. And that doesn't legitimize it. The term theft applies when property is taken from you under threat of violence. When you have not caused damages that you refuse to compensate. And when you are not in breach of an agreement that you voluntarily entered. I think that what there's I think what happens is oh you're born okay you volunteered yeah yeah and that's exactly what the government does <coughs> if you have to pay taxes according to the rules the state imposes and you don't do it then people will come to empty your home and if you resist you'll be treated as a criminal if you don't make tax declarations you'll be locked in a cage for a maximum and for failing to, f to file tax declarations that's how the state gets its money by threatening to lock people in cages and I have no problem if you do that with murderers, rapists, robbers or fraudsters but if you do that to innocent people who haven't hurt a fly such as those called for military service or taxpayers, then that's a huge injustice, and I fight against that injustice. And that's why I've not only dedicated a large part of my life to spreading these ideas in the form of my political leadership of the Libertarian Party, but I also decided to devote my career to protecting individuals against injustice that the state attempts to inflict on them. And the fact that part of that money isn't used by the political elite to line their own pockets 
door de politieke lieven om, om uh, haar eigen zakken te vullen. Want een deel wordt But it's distributed as gifts that we haven't asked for doesn't legitimize theft. Waar we niet om gevraagd hebben. Hoe snap. legitimatie van roof. I... I agree. But if you say stuff like this, then you're labeled as a crazy person. You're labeled as, oh, you hate America. No, I like freedom. And yeah. I didn't volunteer. Now, I mean, if, if I move into a city, I theoretically, mm -hmm. by, by moving in and doing that, you know, moving into the city, I am taking on some responsibility. I, okay, I can probably get behind that. Like, what do you mean? Um, if I move into a street and there is utilities that are attached to my house, let's mm -hmm. say. Now, again, this goes back to the whole problem. I, I hook up to the utilities because it's there. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't move in the city. I don't have the option of living in a city and not doing that. Oh, So yeah. that's a... Yeah. a a, 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 I guess that's a sacrifice I'll make. Yep. It's one of those things. Now, I had recently, um, I had a, an old vehicle that I was done with. Well, I was going to sell it, so mm -hmm. I didn't bother um, renewing the license because it was off the road. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't driving it. It was going to be sold. I got a letter in the mail, certified. Oh, I've had that. From happen. the cops. Yep. Or I'm sorry, from the city. Yep. The police were driving around, and we noticed that you have a vehicle sitting out back, and you're in violation of a blah blah blah. Uh, you have 14 days to comply, or else you have a hundred and fifty dollar um, fine, and you will be charged with a misdemeanor crime. Mm -hmm. Crime, a crime, a crime. Are you kidding me? A crime. It's sitting on my property that I well, apparently I don't own. Well, in one sense, this is one of the. I think when it comes to politics and voting and, um, you know, just, just raw, raw politics, the purest form isn't like in the city where you could take your grievance about these things and either try to get <clears throat> elected or get enough people a referendum or whatever to, yeah, but to if, push that if, forward. Yeah, but if you campaign on that issue, you're a crazy person. Well, some people might think that you're a crazy person. Exactly. But in this culture here, this is, this is, people will think that's reasonable. And the reason why they probably think that's reasonable is they, is that they feel that it is, uh, it looks ugly and makes the neighborhood look whatever. I mean, whatever, like my father-in-law lives in a town in, in Minnesota, a bigger town in Minnesota, city. And um, he always had like three vehicles. No, he had a, a boat and two vehicles. And he'd always park it next to his driveway. Well, all of a sudden, a thing came through that said, you can't park anything on grass. He had his driveway and then next to it was grass. Can't park it. You can't put anything on grass. If you're going to put a vehicle or a boat or anything on your lawn, you have to put down a concrete slab in order well, not to... even gravel. 
not even gravel. It had to be a concrete slab. And I'm sure to put that concrete slab down, you got to pay um, fees oh, to yeah. the city. Yeah, in this city, for for them to pick up your garbage, they charge you to come by, but then you, they will only pick up these specific special garbage bags that oh, you have to pay you that cost two dollars and twenty five cents a bag. And it's not even like a it's 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 like a thirty gallon or smaller. You know, it's not even a lawn size bag. It's a smaller bag. Um <clears throat> and it's just nickeling and diming. But people How is this not just straight up bribery? Oh it's crazy. Or just oh, um, Exactly. But if you have enough people who have drank the Kool-Aid, or like that lady who is just incredulous that this guy would think that way. I mean, you have so many people who believe and think that way. Mm -hmm. That's why Minnesota always votes for a Democratic president. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go down, you know, move to Arizona or Texas or Montana or something like that, where you can build a house outside of city limits and you don't have to do any permitting or anything like that, you can just do it. Um, then, you know, p the people that live there understand, okay, that's kind of the, this is, this is, we think this is reasonable to be this way. So, I mean, also by, in, in the same way, if, if we support state, state's rights, a person could legitimately say, well, you don't like it. Well, you know, you can always sell mm -hmm. your house and move to another state. Well, and, and I think that's where I'm, I, I, I will come down on this for me is I do, I mean, I, I've just, I've chosen mm -hmm. to live in this specific city limit. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of the rules are obscene and not obscene, but just stupid, absurd. Yep. But I have chosen that. And so I, by default, have given up some rights. Mm-hmm. I think my bigger issue that I have is the, the reason that they cared about that car sitting back there because they drove by and they scanned the plate and they saw that the tags were old and then they looked and saw that I hadn't renewed the light, the tags on it. I have insurance on it. I had insurance on it. I, I, have, I own the title, which means nothing, but I own the title. But because the license plate was not current oh, oh oh you're in violation and now misdemeanor crime if you don't fix it and if you don't fix it then you won't be able to um you you may not be able to renew your current your actual vehicles you drive be, until you get that remedied well i know in the town that i live in they would do that every so often and after my dad died we had his car in our backyard for a few years this is this is what happens. You have one knucklehead who maybe has five cars and they're all beat up, not registered. They it's on the books. They just the cops and it go through their life, do their thing, and then somebody complains to the city office, and the city administrator calls in the chief of police and says, "Go hey, get him. Go drive through the alleys. Look at this." And since they're going to to uh, crack down on this guy. It's not fair unless you go to every other person. And so they drive around the city to look for cars that look like they've been sitting there for a long time, and then they check the tabs, and then blah. So for the majority of them, it's because you have one idiot 
who, you know, isn't a good citizen. But this gets back to, um, for me, it goes back to this other problem that I have that I can't own a vehicle in this city without paying them to have license plate tags on there. You can't have it sitting out. Like if you had it in... Well, if it was in a garage, sure. But yeah. but but if I parked it beside my garage, mm-hmm. which is where mine was... What if you would have put a tarp over it? I, well, it, there was a bunch of me that thought, well, yeah, I should just pull this plate off. Now you have plates on it. Oh. Just to take them off. Yeah, but that would still but have to have plates on it. And then well, that would have been maybe. more... Could I have draped an American flag over the front, maybe? <laughs> you know... I probably should have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, and I, I do understand that they, from their perspective, they think they have to keep the city clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's... Have some common sense. Can't have common sense anymore. Why? You oh, can't. It's not common. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you can't. Because people are inherently selfish and self-centered and don't live by common sense. So everything has to apply to everybody at any time. And anybody can maybe sue. I mean, you have this preponderance of knucklehead lawyers and... And judges with no common sense mm-hmm. who have an agenda. So you can't have common sense. I mean, even the cops used to be, if they know you, if the cop knew you, knew you were a good guy, and say your son just got married and you were at the reception too long and you drank too much liquor and you drove home. And you got pulled over because you were swerving a little bit. Used to be the cop, if he knew you were a decent guy, you'd go, okay, here, here, follow me home. I'll go really slow, follow me home, and you better not go out in your car again or else I'm going to get you. Okay. That's common sense. Can't do that anymore because there was one knucklehead, invariably, who went home and was like, oh, I, I want to get, I want more liquor got in the car, went and killed somebody or died himself, and then the wife or whatever hires an attorney who sues the cop because he should have arrested him for his own good. So any good deed can and will be used against you, you know. Well, this kind of falls back on we have, there's no consequence for actions anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no individual responsibility. Yeah, individual, is- yeah. You know, everyone's forget all of them. Get them all, because one person's dumb. Mm-hmm. FBI, lame. Oh, talk about misleading headlines. Uh huh. This was published in the Argus Leader, which is South Dakota's newspaper, on their on their website, uh, July thirteen, two days ago. So I'm going to read the headline. I want you to tell me what you think happened based on the headline. Okay. Sanford Air Med Copter has near miss with drone. Okay. There was a drone and no, the helicopter. No, like for, for real. Like based on those numbers, what does that mean? There was a, uh, when they were flying, they almost got hit by a drone. Okay. So like like a near miss, you know, you 
10 feet, 20 sure, feet, something, you know, even but, but, but 50 it's, or 100 feet. But it's, I mean, but, but a near miss is not just sitting there. Near miss, in, I mean, if I read near miss. It could have killed. It could have taken I had a down near the, miss in Africa and almost went head on with a bus. That's uh-huh. a near miss. Uh-huh. A near miss is not, hey, check that over there. So here's the story. The state of South Dakota recently passed rules restricting low-flying drone use over private property. But the pervasiveness of the aerial devices have stoked concerns for pilots as well. Quote, near misses with drones are still relatively uncommon, but growing in number, according to the FAA, uh, Federal Aviation Administration, a medical team on board... Uh, a Sanford AirMed flight had one a few days ago. Oh, buckle up. This is scary. A pilot, flight nurse, and flight medic were carrying a patient in a helicopter over central Sioux Falls at 700 feet when a team member spied a drone floating about 50 feet below, according to AirMed safety officer Josh Wheland. The drone was well above the 400-foot ceiling under which drone pilots are expected to stay per FAA rules, he said. The aircraft, okay, the aircraft didn't need to take any evasive action, he said, but it was reported to the air traffic control in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Wayland is a drone pilot himself, but the rules are there for a reason, he said. I understand the fascination with it and the thrill of it, but there needs to be a balance, he said. There's, there needs to be an awareness of the things happening at 400 feet and up, clearly. Events like the near miss on July 9. Mm-hmm. Worse, are spiking nationwide alongside the popularity of the devices, but incidents in South Dakota are rare. Mm-hmm. Citing reports to the FAA increased markedly, spiking to more than 100 a month, according to its tracking website. <laughs> this is at least this article laid out some stuff, but their headlines bullcrap. Only one other sighting lists South Dakota as a location, however. So two. There's been two. Okay. That report came in March of 2015 in Turner County when a resident called Sioux Falls to report a drone flying near 483rd Avenue and 286th Street. And that was considered a numerous? No, well, that, that, that's a report. That's sighting. Oh. Gosh darn it, we sighted one. Maybe it was a UFO. Maybe it wasn't a drone. Marv Sky Airport uh, in T, South Dakota, which serves as a launching and landing pad for hundreds of private aircraft every month, has yet to report a drone in occupied airspace. Perfect. Some operators think the FAA's numbers ought to be lower still. A group called the Academy of Model Aeronautics studied figures from 2014 through August 2015 by claiming only... and uh, by, by claimed only 27 involved actual near misses an actual near miss not just a sighting a sighting's one thing clients say that don't say near miss it's a sighting they saw it many narratives mirrored the report in turner county where no other aircraft were nearby or had pilots reporting a sighting not a near miss but the other thing about drones to, to me it would be when you're flying a helicopter i'm sure it's common that you hit a huge crow, uh, you know, which would do about probably the same amount of damage as a drone because they're not like typically these these pieces of equipment that you can just okay. th- throw around. So what if, you know, what's the big deal if they did? I mean, yes, they could have, you know, one in a million hit, take it down. Well, but, but here's my question about, 
helicopters. I'm not a helicopter pilot, clearly. I've never been in you're, one. Oh, you're not. I'm not, I'm not a oh. helicopter. I wish I was. It'd oh. be fun. Okay. How, How much downdraft comes from a chopper? A medical helicopter. How much downdraft is there? Like, what do you mean? Was that thing's floating in the air? That huge prop? How uh-huh. much down force is there? How much wind? Quite a bit. Let me tell you. If there's a drone below you, it's gonna it's drop. It's not gonna come up into your prop. Yeah, yeah. That can't happen. Yeah. <clears throat> there's no updraft from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Now, if well, it's above you, I could possibly see that being sucked into your rotor. But yeah. you're telling me that chopper can't go to the right and get out of the way fast enough? But even if it does, it's not gonna take. I I doubt that it would do anything to the rotor. Because the rotor moves so fast. And, I mean, they're heavy. Well, and if it would cut it right now. Whoosh, yeah. And then it would be, it might not be fun. but I mean, so, I don't think that it's going to cause, I wouldn't think that would cause a, a tremendous amount of damage. But if, if a drone got sucked into a jet engine, perhaps. You know, yeah. th- I can see how that could cause, I mean, metal parts mm-hmm. going in this big turbine. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's some real, and fine. I'm okay. And if this guy was above 400 feet, without question, that's not right. Yep. But let's not run a headline yep. that says they had a near miss with a drone because that's crap. Yep. All it does is it stokes fear in people. Yeah. And then you, you read down the article. Well, there's been one other sighting and it was nothing. It was some idiot out there. They saw a drone flying over the road yeah. in the middle of nowhere. That is nothing. The airport, airport says they've gotten uh, had none. That no sightings? Are you kidding? So you're saying it's a non-news this story. This is fake news. Yeah. <laughs> it's It must have been a really slow whatever day. But I saw it because someone in this town shared it on the face bag. Oh. And so my comment was going to be, and I decided not to do it, my comment was going to be, wow, that's a misleading headline. Uh-huh. But I didn't want to get into it. I figured I could do it here. Huh. I saw a headline that said... Uh, Something to the effect that NASA uh, is going to announce that they have found life on another planet. And I start reading it. (laughs) And what it is, is that they found that there's different planets out there that supposedly are in the uh, habitable zone. What? Yep. Let's go. Yep. So obviously there has to be life there because... Mm. <clears throat> they're in the supposed habitable zone, but there's 50 or 100 other parameters that have to be present in order for there to be life. But, I mean, they do it all the time with the fake news. Yeah, it's easier that way. Mm-hmm. Then you don't have to... It is easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, the other thing that's too bad is that um, CNN and the rest of them have shown that you can't trust the media. And so all it does is wait, it just wait. increases what? the distrust for media. No. Oh, no, no, no. They're right. CNN's always truth-telling, aren't they? Um. I, I no? can't believe. No. They're, no. The, uh, that's you, right. You no, they're right. not. Oh, no. yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, one last story here. Western Kentucky University students. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The student government wants their school to pay reparations to black students. This story, April 25, 2017. I hope all these students talk to their parents and get the okay from their parents because their tuition is going to go up, you know, 10 times. The WKU Herald is reporting that student government at Western Kentucky University passed a series of resolutions that bring a whole new meaning to virtue signaling. The Student Government Association at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, Kentucky, Kentucky, said the measure is a recommendation to pay those students reparations for slavery, even though the U.S. abolished slavery more than 150 years ago. Mm. The resolution sends a message to university faculty. We're going to send a message and administrators that slavery is, quote, a debt that will never be paid. So why bother? Yeah, why don't you just kill yourself? <laughs> no, no, give all of your uh, goods to a black person and then kill yourself. But then that black person would have to kill themselves because they're no. black, right? No, no, they can't. No, they can't kill themselves. <laughs> what? No. No, but it can't be paid. The debt and the shame oh, is so bad. You God. might as well kill yourself. But before right, you do that, right, give right. all your stuff. Mm. That's 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 what a reasonable person would do. The resolution, which passed 19 to 10, also called for a special task force to research ways to make it easier for black students to apply and get accepted into college. My question is, how come they didn't um, uh, uh, kick the 10 out of college? Because obviously they're racist. The 10 that voted against it. Oh, well, they I mean, should kill them. Yeah. Obviously, they want black people to die. Call back. Oh. <laughs> you just want them to die. There is one. It's stupid. Let's see if I can find it here. Well, let me finish this and then we'll go there. The school's website listed the undergraduate tuition for campus residents during the fall 2016 spring 2017 semesters at $4,956 per semester. According to the National Center for Education Stats, 8.9% of Western Kentucky students during the 2013-14 school year were black. White students accounted for 76% of the overall student body the same year. Quote, if you really care about diversity, you really care. If you really care about inclusion, if you really care about making this campus safe and accessible to everyone, having the student government's support of reparation for black students would be amazing. Student Senator Andrea Ambam, who co-authored the resolution, told WKU Herald. Uh, student Senator Brian Anderson, who also played a role in crafting the resolution, said, this is something that I think is more importantly that I think is more importantly about sending a clear message than it is about actually trying to strive for the institution to actually give out free tuition to everybody. Senator Lily Nellens said she also supports the resolution. A lot of times equality can feel like oppression for those who are losing their advantage. <laughs> but that's not a reason we shouldn't fight for it. Mm. My, I'm losing my advantage. Mm. I like the guy that runs this podcast. He's a friend of mine. But the reason I bring this up is because I I don't I haven't decided what to think about the guest he had on and what the guest says he does. I lead 
um, an academy for third through fifth grade boys in Southeast DC, which is some of the most um, hopeless um, communities in our, our, our country, but some of the most gifted um, and resilient. Um, and uh, we were talking about this last night. Uh, there's just a, a nature of hustle um, in this city. Like I've never seen it. Um, and, and the community that I get to work in definitely um, exemplifies that. And so um, I run an academy um, out of a school. Um, the mission of, of the Boys Institute is to develop young men characterized uh, by lives of hope, self-discipline, integrity, and love. And the whole purpose of that is to pursue justice and equity for themselves. Um, what it boils down to when I have conversations with people is Listen. that I go to work to celebrate black boys. He goes to work to celebrate black boys, period. That's what it boils down to. Could you get away with that in any other instance? Any other? Um, that, I believe, is what you call a rhetorical question, right? Am I right? Well, and, huh? and not, not to diminish that there is, I mean, in D.C., I mean... Holy There's cow. so much. I mean, the, the black community is poor yeah. and it's horribly underserved without question. Yep. I just, I find that interesting. I go to work to, um, celebrate, to celebrate black boys, not girls, black boys. I mean, it might be, theoretically, isn't this uh, sexist? Yeah. But, but is it okay because they're black? Maybe. Is it, is it okay to celebrate black boys? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're asking? Well, um, um, to, to break it down. Now, I, again, I'm not opposed to helping the unfortunate. Mm -hmm. the, oh, that's our job as Christians. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. But in our, in our PC society, it kind, it's weird. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of a weird statement uh and how does one celebrate black boys how do well how do how do you work that out i don't know cuz the, <laughs> the things that you would think could possibly be stereotypical mm -hmm. which then is insulting but and plus my question we're is we're going to celebrate them by setting up a basketball team. Yeah. You know and, and running like a rec program. Are we I don't know. And I I haven't dug into the to, guy but when I heard that piece I was like, "Huh. The way that's worded sounds anti what it what it should be allowed to sound like." Mhm. Mm and, and maybe it's great for that reason. Maybe it's great. It's just bucking the whole PC system. Awesome. Yeah, but he, he sounds like he's a, a white guy, right? Mm, I, I, I doubt it. So I, what I if there so. was a white boy, single mother, he, he couldn't be involved in that? I don't know. And what about the black girls? 
Well, and, you know, maybe they break it down, which I, I am not opposed to breaking stuff down by gender at all. That makes sense. I mean, I, I like that. I think there's some more value that you can do. If you no. really want to craft um, But then why not group? just say, I celebrate young men. Undeserving boys rather than going straight only to black boys? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know that question, that that answer. Yeah, it just the the way it was written kind of and maybe threw me off. And maybe he was a little off kilter when he said it, and he didn't exactly articulate it the way that he thought that he should. And maybe. It, was there more to the interview and oh, what he oh said yeah. that, no, that, was that brought it more open. into context? Yeah, I mean, it's it's telling stories. Hmm. But it's it, it was just the way that was worded. Like, that's the goal. Like, I, when people talk to me, that's what I do. I celebrate black boys. Okay. Hmm. So, so then, if this is the case, awesome. But can we then celebrate... White boys? No. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's allowed. Mm-hmm. Can we celebrate black girls? Yeah, probably. Can we celebrate... Um, white girls? White girls? Asian. Uh, it's harder to say no. Can we celebrate... Yeah. Can we celebrate Asian boys? Well... Now, that's probably way less... I mean... You could probably white girls because they are girls. They're not boys. But white boys, there's so much... Oh, they're rapists, so... Quote unquote privilege that they don't mm-hmm. need anything other than to die. Hmm. You know, remove the gene pool. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm, I say. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. This is the David Allen show. It just seems to be that most of these politics, people like this, people at the Bowling Green University, all those, the people that are out marching, mm-hmm. I don't think, and I know I'm being judgmental here. <laughs> yes. But I don't think that if if these people would get absolutely no recogni- recognition mm-hmm. and no pats on the back and it wouldn't help them, um, if nobody said, hey, good job, they wouldn't do any of this, in my opinion, the vast majority of them. <clears throat> I think the vast majority of them are doing it because other people are wor- walking up to them going, oh, you're so courageous, you're so wonderful. Huh. And all it is is tyranny expressing itself in a different way. So a a, a type of moral self-license? Or or is this actually doing something? I mean, moral self-license, an example is putting a rainbow filter over your Facebook picture because it means you're standing with the LGBTQ. Yeah, but I don't think or that putting any the of the Paris flag over your because you're standing with Paris. I don't think anybody, especially that age group, is doing it for principle or anything. 
they're doing it to be accepted in the in the group, in whatever group they walk in. You mean because that's the thing that you need to do? Like like, mm-hmm. like that's the expected activity? Yeah, and if you're like an ambitious person that will get you ahead in your peer group, whatever your peer group is. I don't think that any of them if uh is that bad in and of itself? Um well, not not necessarily. I mean, define bad. I mean, basically peer pressure in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, some peer pressure is not bad. Well, it's not. Everything we do, there's peer pressure involved in it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do something that is disruptive to society purely for peer pressure, then I would say it's bad. It would be the same thing as um, if you wanted to flip it on its head. If there was a bunch of white people that joined the Ku Klux Klan and protested people because their peer group gave them a lot of kudos and it made them feel good about themselves, would that be okay? If it would be okay for this group, then it should be okay for that group. Because all it takes is societal uh, mores and values to be turned on their head. Mm-hmm. And what is now bad would be good and what is now good would be bad. You know, mm-hmm. There's nothing transcendent about it. If you're doing stuff just to get the approval, a pat on the back, then you would be, you would be willing to inform on people. I mean, in Soviet Union, children all the time, you know, informed on their parents and they were sent to gulags and whatnot. Um, Why would they do that? Because they actually believed in communism? Mm. No, they didn't believe in communism. They're 14 years old. What do they know about communism? It was about being part of the peer group and being loved and whatnot. Now, might be normal to be that way, but I wouldn't necessarily say it would be good. And it would be different if if people had actually studied it and came to a conclusion. And there are some that would be willing to suffer and everything for their beliefs. But the vast majority of these knuckleheads, because they're, they're affluent, mm-hmm. they're soft, they've never had to work their entire lives they don't probably don't have a job their parents probably pay for everything um and the reason why i say that is that if they had to work if their parents didn't have to pay for everything if they actually knew the value of a dollar they wouldn't be out marching for stupid stuff because they would actually be doing productive stuff so okay Sorry, I'm digging around the interweb here, <clears throat> finding some interesting things with the 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 black boys education thing. It intrigues me a little bit. Okay, I think we need to dig more into that. I'm intrigued a little bit with that concept. 
and that you know what makes that okay mm-hmm. maybe it is i don't know i mean mm-hmm. i'm not but then just that idea that it seems that it goes against the the narrative that's allowed that's approved okay of well first of all you can't have boys and girls anymore because well they can be whatever they want yeah there is that so you don't have yeah. you to have a boys club seems very sexist and not non-affirming yeah what if what if there's a girl who wanted to be part of this supposed boy club right boy what scouts they can't mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right well <clears throat> I, I think that's something we can dig into a little bit later um i and <laughs> i i'm a big fan of people that are bucking the norms yeah me too great i yeah. think it's fantastic let's buck the norm let's get rid of this whole idea that we're not allowed to hold opinions we're not allowed to say certain things because it's just not it's not nice. It's not, it's not accepting. Well, there are truths that are truth no matter what. Yep. We just have to deal with it. Well, I'm, I'm very okay with that as long as people are doing it because they actually believe it rather than you're a knucklehead mm-hmm. and so... You you do things because it allows you to destroy things or it allows you to justify leaving class early, you know. I was watching a video about, you know, this guy was interviewing these teenage girls and they were cutting class. Well, if you're a teenage girl, and I think there was a demonstration for Black Lives Matter or something like that, and there's a couple of white girls, so you would much rather be out with your friends out on the street walking around yelling and <laughs> and having all these people say nice things about you because you're standing up against the man versus sitting in a classroom maybe taking a test or something you know what kind of sacrifice mm-hmm. okay if you're going to me i think that's pathetic and i i i don't think there's any honor in that that you're doing stuff because of what you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. So, but like you said, if the, I mean, if it's actually costing them something and they're doing that, regardless of what it is, that it's whatever they're pro- protesting, you at least have to respect them. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 This is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. Hey, that's us. A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. And evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. Troubles prove that I'm alive. My eyes are open. My heart is beating. My lungs are full and my body's breathing. I'm moving forward. I found my freedom. I found the life that gave me reason to live. Once again, DavidAllenShow.com. Um, any last words? It's, I mean, it's been forever. And, and as we go forward, uh, the live shows, I mean, are going to be a little bit out of whack just be, until we get our final construction done. I'll, I'll quit blaming David for all the, <laughs> the woes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but hopefully in the next uh, month or so, we'll be able to be rolling in the new studio. Um, Are you well? I will, yeah. But we I'll should have a Skype decent Skype something. connection there. Uh, but then when you're back in town, we'll always be yeah live and local. Yeah. Live and local on the weather on the 8th. Yeah. Traffic and weather on the 8th. Um, any last words before you head on out of here? Uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's right. Don't get shot. And where's Maryland? <laughs> oh, man, this has been fun. Daddy's got a sweet tooth tonight. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Don't taint the memory That's a of, direct such a, quote. of such an honorable, <laughs> honorable, like, untainted uh-huh. man. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, he was awesome. I would probably venture he would. He'd be vilified I, right I, now I, I, if I he, he was in politics. I think he would put Trump to shame without question if the things he did were out. Yeah. And I don't mean out that way. Yeah, well, or anyway. do you? Yeah. <laughs> this is the David Allen Show, everybody. Have a great night. Um, I'm Allen. He's David. I'll see you in the next round. Yes. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs>